Hickman, uh, today's breakfast sponsor, in honor of her mom, Bluma Bas Shlima. 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 Okay, and for Penny Rosen, one of the founders of the shul, uh, giving thanks for the Bnei Avram community and wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Okay, thank you, Marilyn. Number two, second announcement. Tonight we're starting a new course here called Angels, Godly Angels, a two-week course, talking about angels in the Bible, the meaning of their names, etc., etc. So again, tonight at 8 p.m. here in Shul. Number three, very important. Very important. This Saturday night, Motzei Shabbos, we're having a very special cocktail at the Stones Resident in honor of the mikvah. We're going to be refurbishing the mikvah after 20 years. The mikvah is in beautiful condition, but we're going to upgrade it to a whole new level. Okay, 22nd century mikvah. And um, we have someone who's giving a very nice donation, but we need more. And it's important that you're there because a mikvah is very, very important to every community. You're allowed to sell a synagogue to build a mikvah. You're allowed to sell a Sefer Torah to build a mikvah. It's the most important thing in every community. And those who have not gone yet, you should go. Even if you went through menopause, you should go once in your life. And this way, you're holy and pure for the rest of your life. And even retroactively, it works on, on your previous relations, etc., etc. And, and number two is to, to encourage uh, future children and grandchildren to, to participate in this mitzvah. This brings beauty to the home. It brings passion back to the marriage. It brings tremendous, tremendous holiness and peace into the home. It's a very powerful mikvah, a mitzvah, and it's called the mikvah. We'll be talking about it again on Matzi Shabbos. All right, now to move on to today's class. Parashas Lech Lecha. Before the, the birth of Yitzchak, the first Jewish child to be born by Jewish parents, God tells Avram and Sarah to change their name. God tells Avram, your name is no longer Avram, but Avraham. He puts the letter He into the name of Avram. Sarai, the wife of Avram, is no longer called Sarai, but it's called Sarah. Now, after the changing of the names, they have children. Because your name is your mazel. Your name is the combination of life force into the body and that is why I tell parents all the time when you have a grandchild do not force your children to give that grandchild a specific name you could bribe them but don't force them because because the name is given through Ruach HaKodesh divine spirit prophecy the father and mother receive prophecy to be able to give the child the proper name. And that is the name of their soul, of their life force, and their connection to God. We see sometimes, God forbid, if people are sick, men and women are given an additional name. And that gives them additional life. Like a woman is given the name sometimes of Chaya or Alter, and, and Alter. And the same is true, men are given the name Chaim or Ben Sioin or Alter, which means all old, to become old and have a long life, etc., etc. So the name has tremendous mazel on the person. Here God tells Avram and Sarah, 
if you want to have children, you got to change your mazel. And therefore, he changes their name. So let's see what he does. If you look into verse number five, we gave out a sheet here to everybody. It says like this, You should no longer call your name Avram, but rather you are to call yourself Avraham, because what does Avraham mean? You will be the father of a multitude of nations. Now look at Rashi over here. Rashi says, Lashin Neitrikoin Shal Shemoy. This is a Neitrikoin, which is a conglomerate, so to speak, of his name. So Av means father. Ham means Hamoin Goyim, the of multitude of nations. So Rashi has a question over here. If he's the father of the multitude of nations, what is the letter Resh doing there? There's no race in Hamon Goyim. So we should have taken out the race, removed the race, and called him Avham. It sounds funny now, but if the name was Avham, it would be fine. We'll call him Avi in short, right? So Avham, why Avraham? Why the race? So Rashi says as follows. The race by Betchila. The race that was there originally, Shaloi Hoya of Elaladram, Shahum Koimoi, the Achshav of Lachala Elam, the Afilu Reish Shahoya by Bethila Lezazam and Koima. So Rashi says, interestingly, that the Reish that was in Avram to begin with also served a purpose. But he was given the name Avram, so Avram meant Av of Aram. He was the father of Aram. That's the country and the city that he was born to. Mesopotamia in the Torah is called Aram. That was in Hebron, in, in Haron, in Haron. Haron Afshallah the wrath of the world. And he was the father of Aram. He began to spread monotheism. Avram was already three years old. He recognized God. When he was 40, he already wrote books and made public debates and argued with people, it wasn't until 75 years old that God sent him away from Aram. So for the first uh, 72 years of his life, he was working very hard over there, inspiring others to, to believe in God as well. So he was then Avram, the father of Aram. Now, when he's 75 years old, God tells him, Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha me'atucha, leave your hand, land, which means in your will. Me'latucha, which means your habits your birthplace, your father's home, which means your intellect. Till now you served me according to your intellect, your emotions, and your understanding. That's very good. That's very nice. But that's not the definition of a Jew. A Jew has to surrender himself totally to God and say, God, how do you want to be served? For example, if I bring my wife roses home for Shabbos, I say, I want to bring you home roses because I love you. He says, that's very nice. I don't like roses. I'm allergic to roses. I like tulips. But I said, but I want to buy you roses because I love you. It doesn't matter what I want. It matters what the recipient wants. So if God says, I love tulips, then lech lecha, you got to leave your own personal desires on the side and serve God the way he wants to be served. 
So now that Avram leaves Aram, he comes now to Canaan, which is today Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land of Israel. So God says to him, your name is now Avham, or Avraham, which means you're no longer only Av, the father of Aram, but you now elevate it. You graduated to a whole new level. You became now the father of the multitudes of the entire world. <laughs> Says Rashi, because of this, we don't have to take out the R, the Resh, from Avraham, because you're still the father of Aram. So if it would be a contradiction, I would have to remove the Resh. It's very technical over here. So Rashi says, but because you're still the father of Aram, and now in addition to that, you become the father of the entire world, we're leaving the Resh in your name. As Rashi uses the terminology, this Resh does not move from its place. And now he goes on to say something else. yud shal sarai. Rashi gives now another interpretation. Rashi says, if you look a little bit further, God changes the name of Sarai to Sarah. Right? Now, Rashi tells us a secret. The letter Yud of Sarai was taken away. This little Yud, the little humble Yud which is the letter, by the way, of every single letter in the olive base starts with the letter Yud. Because it's humility, represents God. Every letter is connected to God. So this letter Yud of Sarai began to complain. Hello, I used to be part of this famous, world-renowned woman, this gorgeous Sarah, and, and, and who was at, at Sadekis. And now you take me away, I'm like, poof, Miriam disappeared? What happened? So God says, you know what, you're right. I will put you in front of another tzaddik. His name is Hosea. He will be called Yehoshua. So God didn't want to start up with the letter Resh and find a place for the Resh, so he left it in Avraham. And it wasn't a problem because it didn't contradict who Avram was. But the Yud of Sarai, he did remove. He did remove. Why? If you look at the next Rashi that we handed out, in number 15, it says, Leisikra Eshema Sarai. No longer will your name be Sarai. The Mashma Sarai leave Because Sarai means my princess, but not to others. And now we're saying she's Sarah which means she's the princess of the entire world. Okay? So every Jewish woman is Sarah. She's the princess of the entire Jewish world and the entire non-Jewish world. God says, Sarah al-Koyl, you are now the princess. You are in control of everything. And that's why we find later that God spells it out to Avram and says, Whatever your wife Sarah tells you to do, you should listen. And the Rebbe has explained many times, it's not only for a woman whose name is Sarah, but every Jewish woman, because, because we are children of Avram, Isaac, and Jacob, and the children of Sarah, Rivka, Rachavaleah. So we all possess these qualities. And therefore, 
The Rebbe told many times, uh, young, young men who got married, you should listen to your wife. Period. Exclamation point. No fine print, no excuses, no buts, ifs, and whats, and maybes. Yes, dear. That's it. Whatever sort of told you, you have to listen. Okay. So now, so now we see by Sarai, God takes away the letter Yud because the Yud would be a contradiction to her name. Because Sarai is only my princess and not the princess of others. And now she's called Sarah. She's given a whole new reality. And therefore she becomes Sarah, the princess of everybody. In contrast to Avraham, which is the Reish alluding to Aram, he is still the father of Aram, but in addition to that, he's also the father of everything. Okay. How do we understand this on, on a more Kabbalistic level? According to Kabbalah, Avram means as follows. Av, we explained many times, is intellect. Ram means elevated, supernal. In other words, Avram was not only this nice guy who the Torah says he was a person of kindness and he had a tent open from all four sides and gave out a lot of food. Avram was a great intellectual. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. He was a scientist. He was a Talmudist. He was a Kabbalist. And as the Rambam says, he would debate publicly in big forums all the other scientists and, and philosophers and deities of that generation. So he was Avra. He was a man of, of tremendous supreme intelligence. The problem is Avram, he was above the heads of most people. Because many, many intellectuals who are brilliant do not communicate with the average person. And that was the problem with Avram. Originally, though he was brilliant, he only communicated with those people on his own level. But the average person he had no rapport with. And this is the blessing that God gave Avram. You should know that till now you're only Avram. You are a man of tremendous intelligence. But now you become Avraham. You become the father of the multitudes, implying that you have the ability to communicate with everybody, all the nations, on every level, every person, and every individual. Another important detail. Sometimes in life, when we graduate to a new level, we forget about our previous responsibilities. So let's say you become a father and you have a few children. So now you're the father of these children. Then all of a sudden, you become the president of the shul. So now, does that mean because I became the president of the shul that I forget about my children? Or is that in addition to my, my love and my commitment to my children? The Torah is teaching us that even though Avraham became Av HaMoyim Goyim, he became the father and the president of the entire world. He did not forget or overlook his first responsibility, which was Aram, which was his hometown, 
where he was their guide and their, their, their mentor and their teacher. And this is a message for all of us. That as we get older in life and we assume new responsibilities and we acquire new careers and, and new uh, successes, never to forget our previous responsibilities and our previous successes. And this is a blessing that the Torah gives each and every one of us by the fact that we are all children of Avraham, Yisrael, and Yaakov. And this concept is also found in the laws of charity. It says that you first have to give charity to your own community and then to the rest of the world. And the same is true as, as a parent, as a teacher, as a, as, a, as a mentor. You first need to give your energy and your resources to your immediate family, to your husband, to your children, and then to your class, and then to your community, and then to the rest of the world. So this is the, the Pasha of, of Lech Lecha. It's very empowering. And it teaches us the power of a name, and therefore to, to choose good names for your children and grandchildren. It also teaches us that the power of, of the Jewish woman, Sarai, who's no longer Sarai, but Sarah. And it's important to note that this idea of circumcision, we explain many times, is not only for, for males. That, that according to the Torah, according to the Talmud, a woman is born circumcised. Now what does that mean? There are crazy uh, tribes that do circumcise women. This is very barbaric, and this is against Judaism. We don't believe in this at all. At the same time, we don't say that the woman is exempt from circumcision, but the Gemara says women are born circumcised. Now what does that mean? And we explain many times, it means as follows. The al explains that the neshama, the Jewish soul, enters into the body of a Jew at the time of the bris at the time of the circumcision, which means that a Jewish boy needs to wait eight days until his neshama enters into his body. He has a non-Jewish soul, a nefesh asichlis, a nefesh abahamis, but the nefesh elikis, the godly soul, does not enter into him until he is eight days old. The question is, when does this neshama, when does this godly soul enter into a woman? And the answer is at birth. Because she is born circumcised, she's connected to God at that first moment, already she has the godly soul in her. Which would a, a girl becomes bas mitzvah a year earlier than, than a, a boy. Being that her godly soul already started working on her, so a girl gets bas mitzvah at 12. And a boy gets bas mitzvah at 13 because she already started eight days earlier. And this, uh, this, this kickoff already continued with, with a rapid speed to, to give her an entire year by the age of 12. She is more mature than the Bar Mitzvah boy at the age of 13. So these are our various hints that we find already in, in this week's uh, Torah portion. Um, just to mention that today is the, is the uh, passing of uh, my wife's grandfather, the Yardzite, of Avramella. His name was Avraham, and Eliyahu. And he was a big, uh, big genius. A quick story that when he was in, in Lubavitch, in the yeshiva, they were looking for a Rosh Hashiva. And different scholars came to the school. And one of the great scholars that came 
to the school at that time was a famous rabbi by, by the name of Rabbi Abramsky. He later became the uh, chief rabbi of, of London, and later he moved to Israel and was on the Bezdin in Yerushalayim, Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky. He was a big Tamachocham, and he came to, to Lubavitch to try out to be, to be the Rosh Hashiva. To make a long story short, he gave a three-hour talk. You're lucky over here. You only get a half an hour talk. But over there, maybe 32 and a half minutes. But over there, he spoke for three hours straight. And uh, after he finished speaking, he went to the Fidik Rebbe, who was the, the, the Manal Gashmi, who ran the yeshiva at that time. And he asked him, do I get uh, the job? He says, look, we have a group of boys who uh, decide and talk over the, the talk and see if, uh, if you get the job or not. In the meantime, I will send one of my, my prime students back with you to the train. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll let you know what the story is. He said he was paid very handsomely for coming to give the shir at that time. It was actually Rostov. Rostov. That's where the Lubavitch Yeshiva was in Rostov. And uh, on the way back... The one who drove him back was in a horse and buggy, and in, in, the, in the buggy, together with him, was, was my wife's uh, grandfather, Avramel Plotkin. Oh. And he was a teenager at that time, but when he came to Lubavitch, already he knew 2,000 pages of the Talmud by heart, wow. at the age of 16. He was, he was, he was an illu, he was, he was a brilliant man, and on the way back, they were talking and learning, and uh, Avramel threw out a toysvist on the Gemara that the rabbi gave a talk on, and the rabbi says that all of a sudden it became black in my eyes. I realized that I made a big mistake in my talk today. And this young man just knocked off my entire theory. So I wasn't getting the job. He writes in a letter later that he was very impressed with the conduct of this young man. Because this question was a very powerful question. And he could have asked this question in front of 300 students that were listening to the talk. And then he would have been embarrassed. But rather he kept his mouth quiet, and he waited until later to introduce the question, and it was done in a very respectful manner. So, this is the point of Avraham. On one hand, you could be Avraham, you could have a genius mind, and you could be brilliant. At the same time, Avraham is known for his kindness, as for his sensitivity, and for his love for other people. So we hope and pray that uh, in the schus of Avraham Avinu and Sari Menu, our, our forefathers, the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs, we should continue to, to bring light into the world and to, and to make the world a, a dwelling place for God. And very, very soon to see the those who are lying in the dust should rise and sing to come back with, with our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents of all the previous generations with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Amen. Amen. Can I ask about the falling on the face? Hmm? When, when, God, uh, when Abraham knew, understood yeah. that God was around him, yeah. he fell on his face. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. later he fell on his face and he laughed. Is it, is it possible that Sarah would have right. a child? So what is the falling on the face and how literal is that?